Hello. You're on the line with Spade Radio. Hey, this is uh, Laura Lavi, the uh, CEO of Death Row Records, calling in. Hi, how are you? I was supposed to call today, right? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right, I'm here. <laughs> All right, it's it's great to have you. Um, it's uh, first, it's a it's a pleasure to have you. And um, thank you. Uh, definitely, definitely. So um, I'm sure the people are very interested in you, you know, as a person since you're heading such a major uh, record label. Um, what basically is your background, let's say, before Death Row? Well, I started in the music business as a very young girl as a musician and eventually um, became a writer for Warner Chapel, a songwriter, and an artist on A&M Horizon with a couple cool projects. And um, I play piano, violin, viola, really, really bad guitar. <laughs> but I also had a parent who put a premium on education, and I was very blessed with a very privileged upbringing. So um, big-time school stuff. So I have I've gone to University of Chicago, University of Michigan, law school, blah, 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 all that, and uh, some kind of, uh, some people will say it's, I guess, a renaissance thing. Um, Others will say I'm just left and right brain oriented both, but I think I'm just sort of like a Forrest Gump in the music industry marching around. I just end up places. (laughs) That's pretty interesting. So so with your background, that's what made them approach you about heading the record label from... Well, about four years ago, I was approached by some financiers out of uh, Ontario, Canada, who were interested in putting a new breed company together. And I'd been doing a lot of speaking, and I represented, you know, as as an attorney, some pretty amazing artists. And so, you know, I had enough of a pedigree to be someone that would be a good candidate for them. And in the course of, you know, a couple of years, um, Wide Awake, Entertainment Group, which is the Canadian company, was formed and and started going very slow. And then as we gained confidence with each other and and so on, um, uh, you know, what we found was that we're we're sitting in a place where, um, you know, we should probably combine strategies of developing intellectual property entertainment assets from scratch uh-huh. that we own fully and acquisitions that are generating income because okay. we had our infrastructure together sufficiently. So they asked me to go find something that was making money, which is not so easy to do these days. And so I started talking to my um, connects in Los Angeles and uh-huh. New York and one of our colleagues, Vijay Chandran, who's a private banker and a uh, – Owns a, group, a company called the Covery Group that does a lot of financing for uh, entertainment. Uh, he said that the Death Row catalog was um, up for auction in bankruptcy, and I said, "Oh man, they're never going to want that. <laughs> That's a mess." And uh, and uh, um, and instead, they turned around and they said, "Yeah, no, go after it." So I had to do like everyone else that was interested in the catalog had like a year or so to kind of analyze the deal and my team had like at tops two months to do a ton of work and we did and I'm really proud of everybody that worked on you know figuring it out and and you know we ended up going into the auction and we won the bid which was shocking we never thought that would happen and (laughs) you know now it's about cleaning up the mess and trying to get this stuff to the fans in a way that they'll be uh, happy 
And uh, from what I read, the bid was for $18 million. Is that correct? Or you can't say? Um, yes, I can. It's public information. Oh, okay. um, we bid 18 we paid 18 okay. Nobody challenged us. <laughs> now okay. I don't see why after being in this for a while. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, where do you plan on taking a death row brand as far as um, uh, from where it is right now? Where do you think we should take it? <laughs> oh wow. Um there's there's a lot of stuff you can do. I, you you want me to be the um the uh, uh consultant for the project? <laughs> yeah, give me your ideas. No, I'm seriously, you know, I mean, you've got a brand that has some good points and some challenging points, right? Mm, yeah. Um to some degree the brand is associated with not paying its artists, um with the tabloid activity of its previous owner, et cetera. And to other degree, it's the soundtrack of many people's lives. Um, it's an iconic collection of, of art that um, reflects a socioeconomic era that I don't think we should get complacent about right now just because we have a groovy president. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the trick is is to allow this to have a new life, um, apply it to feature film and to some degree gaming, but... Feature film and television are an interesting way to use the music to tell stories um, that we're still dealing with or uh-huh. stories that are retrospective. So I think a big piece of what we're going to do is participate in the film industry. And what's exciting about that is we've our partner for sync placement and publishing and stuff like that is uh, uh, Evergreen Copyrights, who have a okay. nice office right there in New York. and. Okay. They're very aggressively, you know, placing um, this catalog, and there's a great advantage to this catalog because with the exception of the Tupac Publishing, um, the company acquired all of the masters and associated publishing of the artists. So, you know, that doesn't mean the artists don't get royalties, but it means we have administrative control to go ahead and and place stuff, which before was sitting in limbo, um, either because of mismanagement prior to the bankruptcy and then during the bankruptcy. So this is a very new day for the availability of this music for new applications. And I think that's a very, very important part of um, the future. The other thing is, um, you know, with all due respect to the marquee artists, um, uh-huh. you know, they don't need us. They're They're doing their thing. They're making money. You know, they're doing great. Um, we have an excellent relationship with um, Afini Shakur and her team, and great, we're great. very, very, very respectful of that relationship. Um, it's pro- I, I, I thought it was going to be the hardest, and it's turned out that, you know, frankly, it's a bunch of women running that thing, and you know, <laughs> we all get along really well, and we get it. You know, we're all respectful, and we're all thinking through the problems together, uh-huh. and we've made more progress in working together than with anyone else, and. It should be instructive to the other artists that we actually are putting our money where our mouth is. And okay. um, one of the thi- but with the other artists, we're meeting with a lot of resistance, both the marquee artists and the, you know, the more core audiences, the dog pound folks and stuff like that. And you know, the challenge is um, because of the sins of the prior management, you know, some of the market valuation, just in terms of straight sales and so on isn't where it should be given the quality of this music and the iconic value of these producers. Like someone like Daz is incredible, the work he's done. Definitely. But um, but where it all sits is is like how do you rebuild with them when there's so yeah. much distrust? So, you know, it's, it's almost as basic as 
I was joking around today with our comptroller that I was going to have us print out like giant Ed McMahon sized checks, you know, <laughs> and for the first royalty, we were going to go around with a camera and deliver them to everyone's door, you know, yeah. as if they had won the publisher sweepstakes, you know, because these guys have never received a royalty check, you know, they, wow. don't, they don't even know what that's like, and so that makes them angry. I understand that. As an artist, I totally understand that. As the head of this company, you know, all I can do is behave appropriately, not behave like the previous guys. So this is going to be a long approach. So once we get those guys sort of in line and feeling good and, and seeing where we can involve them, then I think that will happen is that the label will start clicking along like a company again. And, 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 um, people will feel good about death row, you know, I, I, but I also know that we're going to have to branch out and create new applications for this music. And we have some graphic novel ideas that we're shooting around and film ideas and gaming ideas and, okay. you know, Apple apps and different things, you know, because merchandising, all that stuff. So it's just going to be one day at a time. Okay. All right. Um, that's, Pretty simple enough. Um, so, are you are you guys signing new artists, or do you have any? Are you, did you do any recent signings of any new um, artists? We're not aggressively signing right now because we're sitting on thousands of masters that are unreleased, and we want to honor the original artists first by getting our plans together to get their stuff out. Okay. Um, but that being said, we're paying close attention to the artists that were on the roster that have new projects. Uh huh. Kind of a that was then, this is now philosophy. Okay. And so Danny Boy, Crooked Eye, Daz, Corrupt, The Dog Pound, those guys, we're definitely looking to see what are they doing now and how can we work with them. You know, okay. and We're just hoping people will be realistic in approach. Okay. Uh, are any of the uh, original people involved, like uh, Suge Knight or Dr. Dre and Snoop or anything like that? Not at this time. Suge Knight would not be coming back. That, that would probably not work um, for any oh. of the artists. But um, Dre is busy doing his own thing, and so is Snoop. Um, we've been in dialogue with their people. Um, you know, I've tried very hard to talk to them. But, again, there's, there's an unrealistic element to where they think the math is in terms of, you know, us correcting the wrongs of the people before us. So we just have to take this in very small bites. Okay. So um, you guys own the entire death row catalog so is is there any part of the catalog that you don't own or most or you guys own most of it we own all of it 100 percent of it oh okay all right all right and um so are the, which uh, artists are do you actually listen to a lot of the hip-hop that's out now and stuff on the radio i do i mean i'm a musician so i listen to everything um I'm really, you know, on the bandwagon for Drake right now. <laughs> he's wow. from Toronto. Okay, yeah, another he's person. From <laughs> he's from Toronto. You know, he's a good, good young man. He's a good heart. You know, he works really hard. He's multi-talented. Um, I'm thinking he's cool, you know. It feels have cool you ever met me. Drake? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have the same uh, senior legal counsel, so we all know each other. We run into each other at the, you know, all the time. My office is right next door to Chris's office, the lawyer. And, uh, you know, and, I, and it's funny because Drake came to me a couple of years ago because my 10-year-old is a child actor and his agent is also uh, Drake's agent Okay. Uh, for acting. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they wanted to see if we could work together then. And I looked at him and I thought, immensely talented, can't break out of Canada, go to the United States. And, you know, 
it was the best thing he did. It was fantastic for him. I'm very, very happy for him. Definitely, definitely. And what do you think of, um, like, the new boys? Uh, new, the new boys are going to be on the show next week. Um, what do you think of new boys and uh, Soldier Boy, those guys? Well, my son loves Soldier Boy. I mean, keep in mind, I'm older, you know, and I think that <laughs> Soldier Boy is going to appeal to a younger audience than me, you know. But I have such high respect for any artist that manages to squeeze their art out of their head, through their hands and mouth, onto something that they recorded it on, get it to commerce, and make some money, okay? I have such huge respect because the amount of work entailed in that, whether it's death, speed metal, gangster rap, pop rap, singer-songwriter, soul, R&B, you know, children's music, whatever, this is all such a miracle that anything makes it to market because it's so hard to do. Same in the film world Mm -hmm. that, you know, I just live in a world of high respect for anyone that's really doing it. (laughs) <laughs> that's great. That's great to hear. And um, is there any unreleased Tupac music that people might want to hear? I think so, since they email me every single day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are entitled to 13 unreleased Tupac Shakur songs. Okay. And we are planning, God willing, I can't promise this, but our goal is to try to put out a very pure Tupac album, working with the person who... Um, uh, engineered All Eyes on Me, Rick Clifford, and the the team that that that, that made that brilliant project happen uh, uh, audio wise, and um, uh, release it for his birthday in June 2010. That's our goal. Wow, that would be that would be fantastic. We're definitely looking forward to that. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I am too. I'm a huge Tupac fan. I just, you know, in that world where people go, which Beatle did you like? You know, I was always a Tupac person. So, <laughs> so with with your vast amount of industry music knowledge. Um, you, we have a lot of our listeners that are up-and-coming artists. Um, if an artist nowadays, if they're looking to really catch the attention of a, a major label or some investors or somebody that might help them take their career to the next level, like what type of advice could you give to someone that, that doesn't have any buzz or that, that nobody knows them and they're trying to come up? Well, Um, we're living in an interesting age that's quite deceptive um, Mm -hmm. because we're living in a digital age where viral dissemination of music is so rampant that discovery of new product is very difficult because Mm -hmm. we're overwhelmed now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I think if it's an urban artist, I'm assuming we're talking about mostly hip-hop and rap right now? Yeah, mostly hip-hop and rap or or R&B. Okay. Um, You know, first of all, um, the basic tools and indicators that we look at is we do jump on MySpace and see, you know, what's the activity there. Yeah. Um, I don't count it, but if there's, like, no activity, that looks bad. Okay. Um, If there's tons of activity, that looks good. That's what happened with Drake. He put a mixed, excuse me, a mixtape up on there, and and because he was also a TV star, able to attract attention. Exactly. Um, But, um... (sighs) (laughs) I know it's a tough subject. (laughs) Well, I think that the key is, is to, like in any business, before you take it to venture capital or investors, which is all that these companies are, or individuals, Mm -hmm. um, is you have to build your valuation sufficiently. So what would that mean? That would mean 
product quality, so you want to get the highest quality you can, which is very doable in today's technology, so no ghetto bullshit. <laughs> you want the you want the presentation to look good, you know. Um you know, take a hard look at what's selling out there and understand, you know, who your demographic is. Um, you want to have a tremendous work ethic. Um, it's not a business where you can wake and bake. It's a business where you have to really focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a business where you have to stay humble, too, I think, because um, it's very annoying for executives to listen to someone who just keeps telling you they're the next big thing, you know. So it's it's better to just come in very gentle and humble. I think... The main thing is is that you have to build a regional following. You have to get to a place where there's notice. And then you have to come in sort of with indie street cred, okay, not try to look all slick. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, um, you know, that and then try to um, get some proper showcasing. You know, for writers, I would suggest they talk to ASCAP or BMI about creating some community Um Producers, there's some communities for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, you okay. know. All right. So basically, in a nutshell, you're saying get out there and and grind and and build your brand a little bit before you even attempt to get people to notice you. <laughs> right. I agree. And I think that in any situation, any business, you want to get your you know your market valuation up to a point where it's kind of undeniable and so what are the what are the parameters for that well one of them is high quality product okay the other is you know utilize the internet as much as possible internet radio mm-hmm. you know um any of the tools that are available um be savvy about you know digital um dissemination of widgets and different things that you can spread out with people um take a hard look at terrestrial to online campaigns which go from you know, letting people know about you to getting them online to become, you know, essentially what we call opted in end users, but fans mm-hmm. that, that want to hear from you again. Mm-hmm. And then it's about, um, you know, networking in a place where proper showcases can happen, and that's where ASCAP and BMI and, and those guys play in. You know, they're trying to create vehicles for people to get seen. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, um, people like Drake were smart. You know, they went out and got discovered by Lil Wayne and stuff. You know, they definitely made sure they were in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And what worked was he was humble through the whole thing. He was yeah. he didn't have no attitude. So he was definitely, you know, one of these people who who came in non threatening and uh, you know, created a huge valuation for himself. Yeah, definitely. That's one thing that a lot of people say about Drake is that he's very humble. He is humble because he should be. I mean, this is amazing what's happened to him, and it could get taken away in a second. And he's come in incredibly talented, and, and, you know, by the grace of God, he's getting to do this amazing thing that he's always wanted to do, and I think he's very, very grateful. I think he understands, you know, how significant this is. Definitely. But um, would... Would 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 we see anything like a um, a death row reality show or anything like that? Because I would be interested in watching watching how watching the whole process of you pulling out your hair every day and calling people and and I think that would be pretty interesting. <laughs> well, come on over and be my assistant, man. You can watch it every single damn day. <laughs> I mean, I have my hands full here. Um, do I want the general public to see the hell I'm going through? Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. It, it was just something I, I thought about because I was sitting here and I was like, wow, I won't be interested in seeing what she goes through every day, calling people and trying to get people involved in the, the, the new formation of the label and everything. I, I, I would be very interested in that. But, hey. Well, I don't know. I don't want to do a re- reality show, but I think we are going to do a Death Row documentary. We're in good talks with QD3 um, about working together to create a feature film and a documentary. And, you know, Quincy Jones 3, he's done a lot of work in the documentary field and production field. And okay. He did the liner notes for the Chronic Relit, which we want everyone September 1st to go out and buy Chronic Relit and From the Vault, From the Vault, From the Vault, From the Vault. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Wow. So, do you uh, are you into like social media, like uh, Twitter and Facebook and MySpace and all that? Um, I will be fair and say that I am barely trying to keep up with my Facebook. Um, but <laughs> I have a team. I have a wonderful team who are. We're all over Twitter. We're all over MySpace. We're all over Facebook. And we are very responsive to folks. Okay. So, okay. Um, yes. There is all that stuff. If you go to deathrowmusic.com, death mm-hmm. um, which the site should be up any day now, but the links for YouTube account and Twitter and all that stuff are up there right now. Okay, okay. Well, um, as, um, that pretty much does it for, you know, all the questions and, uh, and interesting things that I had to say. But is there anything you would like to say as far as, um, you know, uh, about Death Row or, or where they can, you know, get more information about you know, what you guys are going to do and everything? Well, yeah, I mean, I want to underscore that we are celebrating and honoring Dr. Dre with the Chronic Relit and From the Vault, and we are um, putting out a CD of 16 songs of the original Chronic, uh, digitally remastered, and then a DVD that has a ton of video footage, including a very rare, never-before-seen 30-minute Dr. Dre interview where he's sitting in the studio talking about life, the universe, and everything, and he looks fantastic in it. Wow. Um, and he's very well-spoken, as we know. So, um, And then on that, there's seven songs of artists from the death row chronic time that were all you know, part of the chronic development um, that have never been released or are rare releases. And then uh, once we get the site going, people will be able to, without required purchase, go to deathrowmusic.com and... Um, uh, opt in to win a free trip to Los Angeles, and um, when they do that, they get to download six more unreleased songs from our vault um, at no charge. And then the seventh song is a mystery artist, and there's a snippet of a demo, um, which is from deep, deep, deep in the vault, and they have to name the mystery artist to be eligible for the drawing for the trip to Los Angeles. So okay. we're having some fun with it. Wow, definitely. It sounds like it. Definitely. Um, I will definitely make sure that everybody knows about that. A free trip and, and free music. Free is always good. Yeah, well, you know what's hilarious is, like, we were talking about, oh, let's send them in L.A. Let's send them to Compton. Relive the experience. <laughs> it won't be real bullets, but you'll think it is, you know. But you know what? Compton is cleaned up quite a bit right now, so we've got to find somewhere else to send them. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> Disregard the last statement. <laughs> Compton, that would be interesting. Oh no! no. no. <laughs> but we anyway. definitely we de- it was a it was a pleasure to have you on the show, and we love Death Row, and we love uh, the music that we that's gonna come out, and we love the catalog too. So great. Well, spread the word and tell people that it's gonna take us a while to get it completely right. Be patient with us. 
all haters need not apply. We just need support. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. And uh, how long have you been at your position now? Um, well, I've been in my position as a CEO of Wide Awake since um, January 1, 2006. Okay. And I have been running Death Row since January 15, 2009. Okay. All right. So good. The best of luck with your new position. And, Thank um, you. Definitely. And, and like I said, we love Death Row and we're looking forward to hearing more. Excellent. Thank God for for <laughs> records. Thank God for gangster rap. Go, go, go. <laughs> Buy that stuff. All right. <laughs> Bye you guys. And Thank and you. deep respect to everybody really. We 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 couldn't do this without the fans and we know it. So we're very grateful. So we're gonna try to give back as much as we can, okay? Thank you. All right, man. You be well. All right, you too. Bye bye. Bye. All right, people, we just